We're in the midst of a series uh, called Decisions That Matter the Most. Uh, we opened by talking about the Lordship decision, and then we talked about choose wisdom last week, and this week I want to talk to you about choosing to forgive. A long introduction to what we're going to talk about, but uh, I think this is one of the most important decisions that you can make for your life, and it is life-changing, all right? We're looking at Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. For those of you who are on campus or online, uh, our Bible app uh, at the events, you can use that. Uh, you can also see it. It'll be up on the screen. You can open your Bibles, and I would encourage that always to bring your Bible, highlight, and write in the notes, the margin. I pick up Michelle's Bible every once in a while when I can't find mine to read. And it's covered with, with notes, you know, where we have set through messages, either her listening to me or someone else, where we went and heard a, a minister or somebody teach or preach on the scriptures. And there's all kinds of little notes, and I'm like, that's great, you know, uh, to have that and as little reminders about things that we've learned as we've grown in the Lord. So do that. Write in your Bibles and, and uh, follow along, as you follow along with us. Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse 25. And whatever, whenever you stand and praying... If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. One of the opening questions I want to ask you is, do you believe that the Bible is sufficient? Do you believe that the Bible is sufficient? for helping us navigate through what is going on around us and what all, for everyday life, for making decisions. I believe the Bible is sufficient. I don't believe that we need to put on another kind of lens in order to understand the Bible. I don't believe that uh, you know, we need to put on another kind of lens to highlight and understand scriptures better. I love uh, books that have been written about the Bible. I'll quote sometimes from those books. I love commentaries. But I also firmly believe this book is enough. I believe God can communicate with us. There are two things that are happening when you pick up the Word of God. You are seeing the letter of the Word that's recorded in Scripture. But as you read with an open heart in connection with God in a prayerful manner, the Holy Spirit is also teaching us in Scripture, illuminating things to us. It is as if the passages of Scripture suddenly come to life for us personally. We're able to understand them in ways that we've never been able to understand them before. I believe the Bible is relevant to our day, providing clear uh, and accurate understanding for a balanced worldview, the condition of mankind in, in, in his sinful fall. I believe the Bible uh, provides a remedy for all mankind in the cross of Jesus. I believe that it's a, a priority and mission that provides uh, for social cure. I believe that the Bible is a daily bread that provides spiritual uh, you know, hunger and, and uh, provides spiritual food for, for spiritual hunger and desire. I believe that the Bible is, is, provides reconciliation to bring us to God on God's terms and not on ours. And I, I believe that it's healing for the nations. It remains 
you know, uh, a, a nation that is diverse in its makeup, but the Bible has the answer for all of us, and it brings us together and unites us in, in God's one call to mankind to come into relationship. And the Bible, the Holy Spirit illuminates it and empowers it so that we understand what it is to live in the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of men. So the question that we're proffering today is, do you believe the Bible is sufficient for you? Do you believe the Bible is sufficient for reconciliation, for instance? The reconciliation of marriages, of friendships, of family, the reconciliation of races. Do you believe that the Bible is sufficient? I had an interesting conversation uh, over the past week and a half or so with a colleague, a leader of a large ministry. And uh, so we started a dialogue based on a, an extensive teaching that he had posted that I believed was a little in error in, in the doctrine. And so... Uh, while I've really enjoyed a number of things that have been uh, presented through this ministry, and they've been very uh, valuable and encouraging in, in my walk, I noticed that uh, in, in this particular teaching, uh, it, was, it was leaning in a direction that was not uh, unifying or helpful. And so I, I wrote, and really didn't expect to hear from the leader, but the leader responded very graciously uh, to, to me personally, and uh, we started a series of dialogue that's gone back and forth, and it's been very informative uh, for me. Um, and it's, it's been helpful in bringing a richer and better understanding to, I think, even where mindsets are in the world today. And we are continuing that discussion. We haven't stopped it uh, at this point, but we're continuing to talk. But something that kind of, you know... Um, sent up a little red flag for me was the initial uh, response, uh, very gracious as it came to and everything, you know, uh, making points and talking about the issues at hand. But in the end, uh, there, ha, he was encouraging me to listen to a podcast, and, and the podcast was there, and then also to read a book. And uh, it, it was clear to me from... Uh, the emphasis on those two things, that he thought something would happen as I listened to the podcast and as I read the book. And what I think he was thinking would happen for me was that through this lens, I would be able to better understand the issue. And through this lens, I'd be able to discover blind spots and biblical truths. Now, as the great philosopher Billy Joel once said, he may be right, I might be crazy. <laughs> But it really is a lunatic you're looking for, right? Uh, <laughs> so I'm always down for understanding if I have a blind spot or if something's going on where I'm not seeing things clearly. Not true of, of everyone, I think, but uh, across Christian community, but I am, honestly. You know, and I was taught early on in my education and, and in my relationship with God that uh, to always be suspicious of my own righteousness that I needed to check that at the door and, and I needed to be open to hear. So I listened and so I read. And so I dug into God's word. And uh, what I discovered is what I wanna you know, emphasize with you today is that even though 
you may be encouraged uh, in your life at various points to have another lens that this book's enough. And it's sufficient to walk through um, every trial, every difficulty, every challenge that you might be faced with. When we look at doctrine of Scripture, you see a clean thread from the beginning, from the book of beginnings, all the way through to Revelation. Uh, and, and it's not good for us to take different pieces of Scripture and, and try to make it sound like something that it might not be. And it's important that we understand that this book is enough. You don't need another lens. Scripture speaks loudly to us. And having set the table for that, this teaching about forgiveness comes to each one of us. We might be tempted to think, well, you need to read this book on, on the psychology of how you can be damaged by someone else and the processes and steps that are necessary in order to bring healing into your life. This book tells me. <laughs> and it's very clear, and it's very simple. And so my assignment today for you is to focus our attention on what God has to say and what His discussion is around forgiveness. It begins in this passage with something that was, is always striking to me, the posture of prayer. Whether you're standing or laying down or kneeling uh, is, is not necessarily the point. The posture of prayer is more about connection with God and humility. I'm not bringing all my ideas and my agenda. Uh, God, I'm suspicious of my own righteousness. I am coming into your presence to learn right now. I am coming to hear from you. And I am not bringing a, a treatise that I want you to stamp that says this is true and this is the way things are. I am coming to you recognizing that there's so much that I don't know. And I need you to teach me. And so I'm opening up in that. It was interesting this week, Michelle came to me. She had her phone. She had already made a decision. And she was starting to dial the phone number. And she said, I'm calling my friend. And she named her friend. And she said, and you're going to pray with her. <laughs> she has a job interview today. And so, uh, you know, the number was being dialed and the button was about to be pushed, you know. So there's no, I knew exactly, you know, we've done this before. This is nothing new. Uh, that it was time to, to, for me to uh, assume the posture of prayer and get ready to carry somebody, a friend, a loved one, into the presence of God. The posture of prayer is, for me, always an overwhelming uh, kind of thing. I find myself you know, overcome with humility as, as I think about entering the throne room of God and that somebody would even ask me to pray for them. And, and there's a sense of humility in, in that. And I'm about to go into the presence of God, the God who knows everything, the God who can answer this prayer, the God who loves each one of us so much and cares about us. And there's just an overwhelmingness that comes on me as I think about taking someone into God's room and spending time in His presence. I've always uh, been honored to pray for people, but there's probably never a time that I'm more aware of the office of pastor when people come to me and ask me to pray with them. And I'm conscious of that office, and, and, I, and I'm thinking of it in this manner, as, as if I've, I've locked arms with a really dear friend, and I'm bringing them into the throne room of God. And I'm going to stay there with them while we petition God and listen to His voice. 
And as we carried this woman, a friend of Michelle's, into the presence of God for her family and for her future, it was overwhelming on the other end of the phone, too, that somebody would care enough to carry them into the presence of the answer, the one who can turn the circumstances and situation, the one who knows what's going on in their life, the one who can answer the prayer that they're asking. And then he says in the second part of this verse, if, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. You know, even reading that passage right now, I'm aware of things in my own heart that, need to, that I need to forgive. I never come into God's presence before that happens to me, before there's kind of a, a check by the Holy Spirit that says, clean your hands. Get, get your heart right. You're about to go in the presence of the one who has forgiven you. How can you bring unforgiveness into his room? How can you bring unforgiveness into his presence? And isn't that how it works for all of us? The Holy Spirit applies as we read the word to us personally. I'm not going into prayer thinking about Michelle. Lord, help Michelle, you know... Uh, forgive people, or, or thinking about any other particular person, when I start entering God's room, the Holy Spirit begins to say, hey, get a good look at your own heart. Get a good look at your own heart. Last week we talked about something that I think is so important. It's the test for if you want to live in wisdom. And I, I was quoting from um, Dennis Prager, and, and, and I all lifelong believed this. If you believe that humanity is basically good, then you're in for a life of disappointment. Because humanity is subject to a sinful nature. And when you turn out the lights or you turn your back, the people that you care about and love the most can do real damage. And we're, there's no better picture for us than, than in recent days when we turn on the television and we see uh, out-of-control situations and, and rioters and looters and things like this. And uh, they're not, uh, th these in many cases are not uh, criminal people who have been incarcerated in jails and suddenly let out or something like this. this these are next-door neighbors and friends and loved ones and people that we've had conversations with that we deeply care about and know and, and feel like we have some kind of a connection with, right? Because we have to always be suspicious of our own righteousness. We are all capable of doing much more than we believe we're capable of because there's only one that's good, and that's God. And if God is not standing in the middle of our throne room directing our lives, we can do hurtful and harmful things. Both online and present in this room, every one of you, all of us, I know, we all have, I have, done damage to other people through word and deed and maybe even physically in some instances. We, not that we pur purposed to do that or wanted to do that, but the nature of sin rose up. As God warned Cain, who killed his brother Abel, sin is crouching at your door. You must deal a death blow to it, and it's for us by empowering Christ to live through us and live his life out in us that we might be loving toward one another. And the call is 
that we need to forgive. My argument about how I've been wronged and, and how I've been cheated is, is no excuse for my disobedience. No one will ever stand before the throne of God and begin to read off their list of grievances and say, yeah, this is why I didn't forgive. It will sound hollow in the presence of a holy God that we may have some excuse to the God who forgave us to not forgive one another and live in harmony. Everyone in this room and those who are listening online can identify with a, a wound or a hurt that you have in your heart right now. And just as I said you know, a moment ago that every time I, I read this passage, there's a gut check, there's God saying to me, you need to forgive, you need to let go of something, and he surfaces it, brings it up, say, yes, God, I do, and let me, help me do it, Father, I release it to you. And right now I'm talking to you, God is dealing with your heart, and there are things that are surfacing where you said, I gotta let go of this. I can't hold on to it. It's gonna be my destruction. Forgiveness is a prison of our own making. And often what we're trying to do when we're imprisoned in unforgiveness is we don't want the person with the key to let us out. We want the person with the key to come inside and sit in the prison and suffer with us. But God's given a key to open up as we forgive and let go. And we can walk out of the prison of our own making. Doesn't mean that we, that we were justly treated. Doesn't mean that you know, uh, that person is, is, is really sorry now and everything's turned around. It just means I know he's forgiven me. Yeah, and I have an obligation to forgive everyone else. Because ultimately when I stand in his presence, I stand there by his mercy and his grace. I have, no, I have not merited this. I have not earned it. He has forgiven me. One thing is clear as we read through this passage, and we don't need another book to tell us. We don't need podcasts. We don't need anything else. One thing is crystal clear for us, and that is that we must forgive. That your Father in heaven, he says, may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. We don't need another lens that's clear. We can understand it. One of the most important decisions you can make for your life and lead your family in is a decision to choose to forgive. Choosing to forgive. My oldest granddaughter uh, is in a stage of life where she's learning how uh, to go back and apologize. And I think it's important. And so when she comes and tells me, Papa, I'm sorry, you know, for something that that happened or whatever, if it was, uh, you know, even I even remember, you know, she comes back and apologizes, say, Papa, I'm really sorry. It's, it's important for me to say, I forgive you. I love you. I care deeply about you and I want the best for your life. I am not ever going to hold someone in the prison that, of my own making. I let you go. I forgive you. And I ask that you do the same for me. That's huge. It's like a flashing neon sign for us that standing forgiven requires forgiving living. Standing forgiven requires forgiving 
living, choosing to forgive. Do you believe that the word of God is sufficient? How convinced are you? Convinced enough to walk alone, even against the crowd and the, and, and the sea of humanity that may be saying, um, hey, you know, uh, you don't, don't forgive them, you know, that person that hurt you or this person that hurt you. You know, I, I wouldn't. I can never forgive them for what they did or what they said. Do you, do you believe God's word enough that you can walk against a sea of humanity that is moving in the other direction? Can you obey when others refuse? Do you need a consensus in order to be involved in, in obedience to God's word? And I want to challenge you, you know, whenever our world gets in a consensus march, we're reminded in scripture that consensus rarely went well for humanity. There was consensus not to get on the ark, right? The vast amount of humanity would wanted nothing to do with Noah and his message about God's love for them and caring for them, and they had no interest in getting on the ark. There was consensus when the Tower of Babel was built. As we read back about how God answered that situation, dividing the continent and the nations, the tongues and the language. Wherever there has been humanity marching in consensus, it's rarely been God's leading. His church has always surfaced in a counter-direction, encouraging uh, the world to follow Jesus, to forgive. Listen, it is no small thing. I know the world thinks that they have a lot of answers and arguments about circumstances and things that are going on uh, in our world today. Read this. Study that. Watch this podcast. You really just don't understand everything that's going on. It is no small thing that we just come in there. It's not a band-aid that we come in the midst of that and say, Jesus is the answer. That we have a sin problem in our world and each member needs a heart change, a heart's transplant. That is no small thing. Thing. Don't let people despise the evangelism of the church as we reach out and tell them there is an answer that's higher than any of the experts you're reading or, or higher than anything else that's going on in our world. It is putting your trust in God through Jesus Christ. Welcoming Him. And sometimes I think we treat that as that's an, that's an also well, let me go do this and that and this. And then also, maybe down the line, you know, uh, you need to love Jesus. That's not an also. Our world without God, it's recorded in Revelations what's going to happen. Everyone whose name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I love humanity too much not to tell them that that's the destiny for those that reject Christ and do not make him the Lord and the leader of their life. And our time is running out to, to just be patiently, you know, trying to, to deflect back and, and, and uh, you know, just, just try to, to harmonize with humanity. Our time is running out. The clock is ticking. Jesus is coming back. 
And while we don't need to be cruel, we need to tell the truth in love, we need to tell the truth. Yes. Jesus yes. is the answer for our world. Yes. Do you believe that the word of God is sufficient? Are you choosing to live and forgive? We're walking wounded. And so I'm going to invite our worship team to come back, but I want to invite you to God's altar this morning, all of us, both those online and those who are present here today, to God's presence. And, and the first thing I want to challenge you to do is, is to forgive. Before we ask God for forgiveness, the first thing we need to do is to forgive. And we need to forgive in two ways right now, okay? The first thing we need to forgive is ourselves. We, we are mostly disappointed in us. We, we are, are disappointed in, in, in things that we've said, things that we've done. You know, there, there isn't a person here listening online or, or present that if you couldn't go back in time, wouldn't erase the whiteboard and start over in so many areas of your life, even maybe in the past week or so. You know, the, many have been, you know, taking down their social medias because maybe they, maybe you felt like you said something wrong or somebody else said something uh, that was offensive or hurtful or painful. But the first thing we got to do is just forgive us. You know, like I, I, I take responsibility, take ownership over what the things that we've done, and say, I choose to forgive me, and I'm going to get a fresh start in Jesus Christ. The second one is that we, we need to choose to forgive those that we think have wounded us. You know, we perceive have wounded us in any way. Sometimes those things are, are, are real, real wounds that people have purposely done to our lives, and there's no question about it. Go to a court of law. Uh, they would judge that you have been aggrieved by another party. But sometimes they're, they're perceived too, right? They're things that, you know, they, they, uh, they're, not, they're ignoring me. They're not talking to me. They didn't reach out to me. They didn't come over. They didn't call me. They didn't text me. They didn't whatever, you know. So there's two categories of that kind of thing going on. And, and right now God's saying to you, choose to forgive them and let them go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to hold them guilty any longer. I'm going to let them go. For some of you, this is a big, big step because the damage that was done to you was, was violation uh, to, to your personhood. And I'm keenly aware of that when we gather together. There are, there are people who have been abused physically. There have been people who abuse, have been abused mentally and emotionally. But God's word is asking you today to forgive. And maybe you're saying, I can't do that on my own. Like, that's, you just don't understand the pain. I revisit this. Every time I hear that person's voice, think about that person, see a picture. You know, it's, it's all right back to the beginning. Years ago, one of, one of my pastors uh, preached a message on how, how to forget the pains and things that have happened in our lives. And he said, the formula to forget is reversing the formula to remember. When we try to remember, we, 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 you know, we relive, we repeat, and we rehearse it. We rehearse it among our friends, the, the offense that took place in our lives. You know, you, I need to tell you the story so you can jump in here and, and agree that I'm aggrieved. We relive it in our minds. We think about it. We can smell it. We can, we can taste it. We can, you know, we, all it becomes. And then, and then you know, we, uh, 
relive, rehearse. We repeat it over and over in conversation to people. And it's, it's like we can't, we can't forget it. We've, we've put together the formula that we would use to study for a test, right? We're going to remember that constantly. And, and he suggested to us that we reverse that formula. Don't relive it. Don't rehearse it. And don't repeat it. Don't relive it. Don't rehearse it. Don't repeat it. Listen, God doesn't forget. He's going to set the scales of justice straight in the end. In his timing and in his way. You don't have to worry about it. What you have to do is obey God's word that I brought to you this morning. You have to let go. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to do those two things right here in the, in, uh, the auditorium and also online. In your own way right now, ask, forgive yourself and forgive those who have wounded you. Father, we're letting them go. In Jesus' name, I'm asking God in Jesus' name you to help us where we feel like we can't. Lord, I forgive myself. Foolish things I've said, foolish things I've done. And Lord, we ask you to for, help us to forgive those who've wounded us. We release them, we let them go. We don't want anyone else in, in a prison of our own making. We thank you, Jesus. The second thing we're going to do right now is just ask God to forgive us. Lord, we come into your presence now with clean hands. We've let go. And we need your forgiveness for our lives and our hearts. Where we have wounded and hurt others. Where we have damaged uh, one another. Where we've not been obedient to your word. Where we have, Lord, thought to seek our own way and be our own guide. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us and cleanse us. Right now in Jesus' name. Make us clean in your sight, God. And as it says in Colossians, set our affections on things that are above and not on things of the earth. We come into your presence humbly. We arms locked with our friends and loved ones of every nation, tribe, and language. And we stand here requiring an answer from you, God. We surrender ourselves we come in humility. We belong to you. Transform our heart. Make us more like you, Lord Jesus. Just worship him as we sing together in the song.